0: Our scripture lesson today comes from Mark, chapter 9, beginning in the 14th verse. Hear now the word of the Lord. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and some of the scribes arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were immediately overcome with awe, and they ran forward to greet him. He asked them, What are you arguing about? Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son. He is a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they were unable to. He answered them, You faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring the child to me. And they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell to the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said to him, From childhood, It has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you are able. All things can be done for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you come out of him and never enter into him again. After crying out and convulsing, he trembled. It became... It came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he was able to stand. When he had entered into the house, the disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind can only come out through prayer. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A lot of academic space has been given to to whether this boy, what his actual calamity was, whether he he was actually possessed or or if it wasn't something more akin to modern day epilepsy. I don't think that's actually a problem for the scripture. Uh, Back then, they didn't have the physiological or the psychological tools to to make that diagnosis and they didn't really even have the language to make that distinction. If someone fell on the ground and foamed at the mouth and and convulsed in one moment and, and then in the very next was able to sit up and, and restrain themselves, that, that person clearly had a demon. Mental disease and disorder was often conflated with possession. And it wasn't just even in the Bible. That's how the world saw it. There's a, there's a work from uh, 2.17 uh, where it describes a, a mother appealing to the goddess, uh, to the god Apollo, to, to come and, and rescue her son from demon possession. He had, uh, quote, The demon had driven her son into the desert alone, sullen and withdrawn. It had robbed him of his voice, replacing it with something deeper and hollow. It had aroused in him an unnatural fixiation upon the neighbor's daughter. It seemed at that time, a lot of 12 to 17-year-old boys had a had a possession come upon them. In the 19th century, the locus of, of possession and mental or disorder actually moved towards women. Uh, hysteria, at that point, was the invoked vogue term. It comes from the Greek word meaning uh, uterus. The treatment for which, by the way, was to be locked into an insane asylum and given cocaine. Just so you know, ladies, if you had the fortune or maybe misfortune, I don't know, to be born a few centuries before, and you had a, a moment of midlife crisis or some minor bouts of depression, you would have been locked away for three months, coked out in some kind of mid-century version of med spa. Now you're given alexapro and sent back to work. Not everything advances, I guess. What I'm saying is that this story is unnerving, but it's very applicable to who we are. I think it's profoundly relevant for today's world, or maybe said because it is so strange and unnerving. It is so relevant to where we are. Mark begins by telling us that Peter, James, John, and Jesus come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. There they had been, Christ had had shown us his full splendor, the holy glory of God shining before his disciples. It was a retreat, a bit of solace, a, a time of communion and getting away before his final trial began. Here he is in the beginning of, in the middle of chapter 9 and he's, he's coming down that mount of transfiguration and he is just about to ascend to the Mount Calvary. Between the mountain of glory and the mountain of suffering, between the mountain of light and the mountain of darkness, there is the valley of human existence. There is that place of human misery. And there in the rub and rabble of life, Jesus finds a faithless generation The disciples, the crowds, the scribes, the fathers, all clamoring, confronted by their failures and inabilities. And at the center of this whirling mass is a very sick boy, which I think helps explain the situation and the nervousness. We today was uh, supposed to be family Sunday in church. Uh, Our children had been working on leading us in worship. Asia and uh, uh, Elizabeth Wyckoff had been planning a special that they had worked out. Uh, It would have been a great time, uh, but it would have also meant that that your children would have been sitting next to you in worship. And and so that means for those of you who are parents or those of you who are easily distracted, you would have been in the auditorium and you would have been listening to me with with half a mind and the other mind would be be watching them throw crayons and, and bicker amongst themselves. It would have been a great illustration for the way that our children grab our attention. Uh, I know even as I'm recording this, some of you are are in your living rooms fighting and and bickering with one another. Ironically, I'm talking about children being a distraction, and and at that point in, in my life, right now when I'm recording, my own children decided to have a major, minor calamity, so... We're back now, and I was talking about the ability of children to, to grab our attention. That That is never more the case than, than when they are sick. You know, the, you have a, a sick child in the middle of a room, and all of a sudden everyone is, is focused right there. They're, they're so innocent and cute sometimes. But But there in their small bodies is contained our future, my retirement. I need my kids to be okay because I'm getting to that point in life where I know I'm not going to be okay. I need them to be well and and fruitful so that, that when I am not, they can take care of me. It's right there in that moment that we can see the father's anxious worry. We can hear the heart of the story. The psychologist, uh, psychiatrist, psychologist, Eric Erickson, uh, excuse me, distinguished between fear and anxiety. Fear, he said, was the apprehension from some isolated and recognizable danger. You see a spider in the corner and you are afraid, as all rational and intelligent people should be. Anxiety is something different. Erickson called anxiety a diffuse tension without an avenue for defense. You know, in that moment when anxiety starts bubbling and churning up, your, your body has the fear response cooking. Uh, your nervous system is engaged, your hypothalamus starts pumping out cortisol, your, your blood pressure goes up, your heart starts thumping, and there's not a spider anywhere to be seen. I, okay, I, I realize there are other things in the world other to be afraid of than spiders, but but that's not the point. The point is that's anxiety. That, that's that body's natural response, run haywire. Barbara, Brene Brown, excuse me, offers some helpful link here between anxiety and blame. You see, when we start feeling anxious, we oftentimes instinctually, reactively start to blame others. Those empty shelves in the grocery store makes us angry and that makes us angry excuse me, it makes us anxious and that makes us angry at all the people who who gathered and stockpiled the meat. Those people shouldn't be doing that but but and this is Brown's point when that response that blame response kicks in, you miss out on an opportunity of growth you to figure out why 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 you're anxious to start with. And I think that's what Jesus does in in the moment of this story. You have the, the father frantically, anxiously, running around trying to get some help. You have the disciples powerless in the face of this demon. You have the scribes poking and arguing. You have the crowds jostling at the scene. And you have Jesus stepping into this swirling mass of anxiety. And he changes everything with one simple statement. If you are able, the Father asks. And Jesus says, It's not me, it's you. If you are able, if you are able, all things are possible to those who believe. It's not the boy who is able, he is struck down by the demon. It's not the crowd who is able, they are rushing around to whatever new is enticing. It's not the disciples who are able, uh, failing as they do at every turn. It is the Father, who in that moment when he is confronted by his failures, he is able to separate himself from all of those other characters in that anxious mass and be honest. Oftentimes when we're confronted by the limits of our abilities, when we see our powerlessness, we feel this this dissonance inside. We feel this pain and this shame. And in response to that uncomfortable, painful feeling, we will lie and cheat and rationalize and justify and ignore. Those two people in your neighborhood who has all of the toilet paper and you can't go buy anything, they are rationalizing their own feelings to justify their greed but the Father here in Mark, he is honest. And in his honest confession, he gives us what is probably my favorite prayer in all of Scripture. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Belief and unbelief. Faith and doubt. Those, aren't, exist, those don't exist in opposition. They exist together most of us aren't abraham father of faith who, who who boldly goes where no one has gone before but nor are we doubting thomas we are both together we exist in that fub- fuzzy nebulous in between and, and what's so funny or or maybe what's so better said what's so tragic Is that even though most of us are there in between that faith and doubt, we feel such shame and embarrassment about it. We feel such anxiety. We hear that statement by Jesus, if you are able, and we look down at our dry and broken faith. We say, okay, never mind. Sorry to bother you. So, right now, we're all in this place the same place as a people where we are worried about the future we are stressing over our health we are we are we have this pressing existential fear of death and the economy and everything coming crashing about, around about us we don't need a cup of coffee in the morning to get us up the anxiety gets us up long before the bell alarm rings and on top of that some of us are feeling anxious about the church and feeling anxious about what we are supposed to do because you know, we, we, we know the right answers. We, we have the right things in our heads, but sometimes we have a hard time believing them. And you know, right now we're just trying to live to Tuesday. So let's be honest this morning. Each one of us is facing this thing that we really aren't prepared to handle. If I had a nickel for every time I heard the word unprecedented this week, I wouldn't even need that government check. We're all feeling this swirling, rising anxiety coming up within us. Uh, Jenny Compton had a great article that was shared on the Facebook page and in the newsletter that talks about dealing with anxiety, that talks about the process and the steps we can do to do that. But I think it all begins where Jesus and this Father are in the story today, in a moment of honesty. Oh Lord, we, these things we face in our life, in the family, in our world. They are too big for us. B- but I know you are able. Well, but I think you are able. Oh, okay, I hope you are able. I believe. Help my unbelief. Because it's right there in that place of honest confession, of humbleness of heart, when we speak the truth, that healing can happen. Let us pray. And now, O Lord, may your healing spirit come upon us who are broken and undone, who don't know where to go. May your light shine and give us a path forward. Amen.